The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Today's episode has been made possible through the generous support of Bright Peak Financial, an award-winning not-for-profit supporting Christians on their journey to financial strength. Go to brightpeakfinancial.com to make your dream happen. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. Uh, We're in the midst of a series talking about the history of New Thought, and today I'm bringing back to the show my good friend, the Reverend Dr. C. William Mercer, as I just called uh, Reverend Will. How you doing there, Reverend Will? I'm great. And you, Galen? <laughs> doing well, doing well. Um, some people might not have heard the first time you were on the show. So could you give people uh, some of your background? How do you get involved with New Thought up to what you're doing now, including, you know, your books and your ministry? Sure. I um, first became associated with New Thought uh, through a great aunt of mine, a divine science minister named uh, uh, Ruth Carr, who kept showering me with materials as I was a young person. I even got a subscription to Daily Word when I was 12 years old. And although I managed to remain very dry through the years, I never lost any of the materials that she had sent me. And when I moved to Arizona in 2004, 
uh, suddenly I was finding all of these materials as as though they were intended to find me at that particular time. And uh, one thing led to another. I became associated with uh, <clears throat> Dr. Blaine Mays and INTA and was initially ordained by Blaine and then chose to follow the divine science path really as a function of my aunt's uh, involvement and uh, then moved to New York about uh, seven years ago to uh, join my wife, uh, Siddhar Corridan Mercer, Reverend Siddhar, uh, in starting a divine science church in New York. And we currently have that church active as a church without walls, meaning that we do outreach and involvement with the community without necessarily having a brick-and-mortar uh, location. Uh, I also served as president of the Divine Science Federation from 2012 to 2014, and during that time I had the privilege of being able to examine much of what we had in our archives and discovered some important materials that had not seen the light of day for more than 125 years, and so in the space of two years, wrote three books uh, from 2014 to 2016, the most recent of which is Courage, Conviction, and Consciousness, which really gathers the thoughts and, and uh, uh, offerings of 108 different women uh, from 1870 to the present time who had remarkable gifts uh, for all of us in the new thought arena, and uh, I'm, I'm privileged to have been able to involve them in this presentation uh, so that their voices are heard again, because many of them have not been heard for a long time. They're beautiful, beautiful. So, you know, I was uh, looking through Courage, Conviction, and Consciousness, which, first of all, is a gigantic book. Um, uh, you know, with, with a great price, you know, $25 for a book you can read for a whole year, basically, um, with, uh, you know, daily thoughts um, from the different writers. One of the things that, that really struck me was the, the the variety of women you have in the book. Um, can you speak a little bit about why it was necessary to have women from all of the different ages from, you know, the 19th century all the way into the 21st century and you know i do know you know as you've told me privately that everyone in the book is deceased that was one of the things that you wanted to make sure that these people were heard who don't have an opportunity to present their uh their voice anymore well that's very true and and um the way that the the book developed uh, i had to pull together a list of all the women that i knew had been active in new thought in the early days and of course we know of Emma Curtis Hopkins and uh, Mary Baker Eddy and Melinda Kramer and others. Uh, but then I began to track through the various denominations uh, who had been a part of the movement as it came forward. Uh, and we have a whole series of people, obviously, from unity, uh, religious science, divine science as well. And then, of course, Universal Foundation for Better Living has had very significant women uh, that have uh, stood out and whose messages are as fresh today as they were at the time that they were written. Yes, yes. So when when you were doing the history and and, and working with with 
um, the different various um, writings of the different people. What was there anything that in particular really stood out to you? Or what are the few things? Maybe maybe that's that, that's not a singular question. There are a number of things that stood out. Uh, first of all, in in a very gen- general sense, there were many women who operated on the periphery of what we regard as the mainline New Thought denominations, uh, including people like Annie Ricks Millets and Harriet Hale Ricks, her sister, who started Home of Truth back in 1905, uh, and then other women who had remarkable New Thought involvement without necessarily being identified as such. Uh, Nora Holm, who wrote the Runner's Bible for her daughter, who was going off to school, if you look at the Runner's Bible, it's, it's pure new thought. Uh, Agnes Sanford, uh, who is very well regarded in the area of healing, uh, but never associated specifically with any of the, the denominations of new thought. And even Helen Schumann uh, and Peace Pilgrim. Helen Schumann uh, is the woman who channeled A Course in Miracles. And uh, for any of us who are familiar with uh, ACIM, uh, it is so purely new thought that uh, to not include her and to not include someone like Peace Pilgrim would have been uh, a much greater error on my part. So I tried to be expansive, and I tried to give credit to women who had uh, played roles that are not always directly identified with new thought, but who are certainly part of the fabric uh, of our belief system. Uh, yes, definitely, definitely. So many times when you, you'll hear somebody or read something and say, well, this has been identified as new thought, but you can see the thread through it mm-hmm. consistently. And that's one of the things that stands out. You know, you'll, you'll hear someone and say, well, that's new thought. And it's not might not necessarily be new thought, quote unquote, a person who's gone through the training, had the pure training. Like, for instance, um, you know, a friend of our ministry, like Ayanna Van Zandt, who's never actually had, I guess you would call formal new thought training. But she teaches new thought metaphysics with mm-hmm. some other things. But mm-hmm. you can't deny what she's teaching. <laughs> um, you know, and, um, you know, I was actually having this conversation with, um, with I'm, um, you know, uh, Dr. Will Coleman. I'm sure you, you know, um, of, I don't know if you do or not, but he's a Bible scholar who does, you know, mysticism and, uh, you know, uh, Hebrew, Latin, Greek languages, Kabbalah, a whole bunch of different things. And he discovered new thought because he was teaching at uh, Michael Beckwith's Revelations Conference. And he was just teaching the biblical mystical tradition. And people came up to him and said, oh, you're teaching new thought. He didn't really. He didn't really have a a real clear understanding of what that meant. So he, you know, he he heard a new thought, but he never studied it. Then he he discovered by reading Ernest Holmes and Fillmore and other writers that it's the same thing. It's the same well, it's, thing. It's exactly true. And and another example from the book would be Evelyn Underhill, who was uh, highly regarded in the area of mysticism. Uh, beginning in the night, no, probably peaking in the 1950s, but her material, as you explore it, uh, again, just rings true across the board uh, related to new thought, philosophy, and theology. Yes, definitely, definitely. I also want let me just make sure I let the 
uh, if anybody does want to call in and ask questions, I want to give you an opportunity to do so. The number is 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. One more time, 888-558-6489. So um, I wanted to talk to you about something we were talking about offline, a uh, person that I would, really wasn't aware of, a woman named June Cobb, an African-American woman. And I'm asking this question about her in the context of African-Americans and African-American women in particular, because this book is about women in the New Thought Movement who were prominent uh, and figuring out a way to make it work in the, in the way the nation was at the time in the 20th early 20th century, late 19th century, that predated the founder of the organization I'm in, Reverend Coleman, who who most likely, without a shadow of a doubt, is probably the most popular African-American woman or, and, and successful in the New Thought movement. But it was so many people that came before her who did not get recognized. Can you talk a little bit about that? I'd be happy to. Um, June Cobb was a, a, a blessed discovery for me. Um, I had heard her name and tried to do research on her, and it was difficult to find anything of substance, although I did initially locate a photograph. And then I learned her story. Uh, she traveled at age 18 in 1920, uh, in the midst of Jim Crow, from Glastonbury, uh, Vermont, all the way over to Los Angeles, um, presumptively by train, uh, alone, and within weeks of the time that she arrived in Los Angeles, she was offering metaphysical classes in her home. Uh, she developed a very strong following very rapidly, and she established the June Cobb Institute, which became so strong that they built their own church uh, in 1938. Uh, she passed very suddenly uh, in 1942, but her work continued. And the great joy of how that process moved forward from her um, along the line of succession after she passed was a minister named Daniel Morgan who came into that church, brought that church into the religious science movement because he was a young religious science minister. Uh, and then after several years, he moved on to form Guidance Church uh, which is today uh, Nirvana Gale's church, uh, and and brought the June Cobb ministry with him. Ultimately, it's been folded into the Guidance Church uh, and spawned uh, the likes of Juanita Bryant Dunn, who was one of the major teachers for both Michael Beckwith and Nirvana Gale as they grew up. So there's a lineage uh, of people that uh, were part of that initial uh, African-American thrust in California that moved forward to some of the most prominent people in the movement today. An another one that I, I want to mention quickly is Pearl Wood, uh, known by the name of Mother Pearl, who decided to develop her own triangular church so-called, in about 1934. Uh, it was ultimately uh, made a religious science church with Ernest Holmes attending the dedication ceremony, and her church survives today under the leadership of her grandson. 
So he is the third generation of her family that have led Triangular Church again in the Los Angeles area, and it remains a, a strong force. And I was able to reach out to Dr. Gregory Pitts, who is the grandson, and obtain materials from his grandmother that, again, were very hard to obtain otherwise because, as with many older ministries, a lot of these materials just simply go the way of all things and are not necessarily retained. And uh, it was a great blessing to find him able to send me pamphlets that went back to 1935 and 1940, reflective of her ministry, in which she was active until 1972. Wow, yeah, wow, wow. That, that That's a powerful story. You know, I was reflecting uh, at at Christ Universal Temple this past Friday, we had a, um, we called it a New Thought Revival. We had different speakers from the Universal Foundation for Better Living presenting, and at the end of the day, we rededicated the, the large fountain that's in front of our church. We call it the Mother Parker Fountain, fountain because it was named, it was originally dedicated to uh, Reverend Coleman's mother, Lula Parker, which is, which is, you know, so for people who were around when um, uh, Mother Parker was, in a body, we, uh, you know, they understood the significance of it because this African American woman who, who was studying new thought, you know, informally, when her daughter needed the moment, you know, you know, you've heard the story before when Reverend Coleman got the six months to live uh, mm-hmm. prognosis, you know, get your life in order, et cetera. I don't know how they told people that type of stuff over the phone back in the day, but that's still, but that time that era was that era um upset and frustrated she bumps into her table and knocks over her mother's magazine and it's a unity magazine it opens up to the prayer of faith um uh, that unity is known for you know god is my health and helping every need god is my every hunger feed etc cetera, etc cetera. but she said the only words that stood out to her was god is my health i can't be sick <laughs> and but but so the question comes into play you know, as I was, as they turned the fountain on, and it, you know, we made a big to do of it. And if you haven't seen the check, you know, I, I think I put it on Facebook or something. But it reminded me that if Reverend Coleman's mother wasn't studying New Thought before that moment happened, there would be no Christ Universal Temple. There would be no Universal Foundation of a Better Living. I may or may not be a minister, and so many other people. Because people were getting it the way they could get it back then, by any means necessary, and because New Thought was uh, a high, highly um, uh, a ministry that necessarily focused on buildings, but focused on literature, it could get anywhere. And you know, so it, it just you know, as you're talking about how things happen and end up being you know, you know, just unexpected. I'm, I'm sure she never even imagined that her her daughter would be the Johnny Coleman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> while she's studying Daily Word and Unity magazines. Exactly, and, and I'll, I'll take a page from that kind of story because uh, my great aunt, uh, who is in the book, uh, Ruth Carr, uh, sat on her mother's lap. Her mother was the, the, um, the wife of the head of the Dutch Reformed Church in Cleveland, Ohio, so as about as far as, uh, away from New Thought as you could be within the Christian faith. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, she received the biweekly newspapers that came out from Unity in those days and developed a, a, a scrapbook. And so my great aunt would sit on her mother's lap as her uh, her mother would go through the scrapbook and bring all of this new thought uh, to my great aunt's attention. And I have to follow that lineage, too, because if it had not been for that activity, my great aunt might not have gone the direction that she did, and who knows where I might have gone at uh, at my point in life. So there are so many of us that owe our uh, involvement in New Thought and our relationship with God that results from that, from the the kind of unseen and uh, yet very real connections that we have historically. I, I can also say, were it not for Mary Baker Eddy, who is sometimes viewed as an ancillary character to New Thought, we wouldn't have an Emma Curtis Hopkins, and without her, perhaps not an Ernest Holmes. So this has been a marvelous process to watch, the unfolding, the the pulling back of the layers of the onion, if you will, uh, as people have become familiar with new thought through unusual means. Yes, yes. We are, It's time for us to take our first break, so uh, we're going to quickly take it. And then we'll come back, talk to the Reverend Dr. C. William Mercer about courage, conviction, and consciousness. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. So there I was, staring at a closet overflowing with clothes, practically bursting at the seams in their polyester prison. I had ten minutes left to get dressed, and the stress was kicking in. Are turtlenecks still a thing? What about rhinestones? Where did I get this? Oh, my leggings from 1987. Ah, the scarves are attacking me. Sound familiar? Declutter your life and your closet with the Simple Living Challenge. It's a free 14-day challenge with powerful daily assignments to help you find more balance, freedom, and joy in life. Just go to SimpleLivingChallenge.com to sign up. Ooh, a cowboy hat. Do you ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck, author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. 
Then click on shop. When you truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting. No more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you are ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Okay, welcome back to Truth Transforms. I want to remind you that this show, along with all the shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give. Uh, please go to www.unity.fm, click on the Donate button, and help support this online ministry because this ministry goes all over the world. Not just my show. It's, uh, all of the different shows have people that are listening in in countries that don't have access to this type of message. So it's highly important that we impact the collective consciousness of humanity by making sure that this message is available to everyone because it doesn't make a difference um, where you are. If you can get this message just like... Um, Dr. Will was mentioning with um, June Cobb and her ministry. If you can get a hold of this powerful ministry, you can transform the space and, you know, uh, you know, to, to, to uh, quote Tupac Shakur, you can watch a rose grow out of concrete. Now, back to the Reverend Dr. C. William Mercer. So with uh, courage, conviction and consciousness and actually working with, uh, compiling the book um did you end up having what i would call a favorite or favorites like you know when you read that material it was like wow um this is really touching me because we all like a lot of writers but certain people we just have an affinity towards and anybody that really kind of connected with you there were a couple the one that became of greatest interest to me uh, outside the the range of people with whom i was already pretty familiar uh, is Harriet Hale Ricks, uh, the sister of, um, uh, who am I going to say here? Annie Ricks, Annie Ricks Annie Millets. Ricks Millets yeah. Who wrote some marvelous work back in 1916 in the area of um, prosperity. And yeah. she actually just kind of came out of the woodwork at me with these marvelous messages about uh, the fact that we don't really, we're not really intended to work, uh, and she described the nature of, of abundance and prosperity in ways that just really hit home to me. The other thing that became pretty interesting was um, I've labored and read a lot of Melinda Kramer through the years, and when you begin to read some of the old uh, writers, 
it, it can be cumbersome uh, because they're writing in a language of another era, and so you really have to read and in some cases reread. But in the process of reading her material this time, suddenly it was like she was sitting next to me uh, because her writing was so clear and her concepts were so well presented that uh, she really became a much more important character for me uh, than she had been earlier, despite the fact that I've written two books about her. Uh, and the spirit that came through my workspace when I was discovering the works of these women uh, actually required me to have candles lit and uh, to really uh, observe the sacred nature of what it was they were directing me to do because in almost each case, I was able to focus in on what would have been some of the most important uh, work that they produced. Uh, and, and that guidance is not something that I can uh, develop on my own. That has to be God-directed, and I definitely felt that they were influencing me uh, through Holy Spirit in a way that made this a, a unique capstone kind of experience in my life. Yes, yes, yes. I um when when I read one of the writers in your book is um Myrtle Fillmore. And you know coming out being a minister for UFBL, we you know, I guess in some circles we call our brand of New Thought Fillmorean because sure. it's based upon a Charles and Myrtle Fillmore's interpretation of uh, the New Thought teachings, uh, or they would say the Jesus Christ teachings. <laughs> so, uh, the but when I read her, it's it's softer than Charles. It's more, it, it's 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 motherly almost. You know, she's she's gently influencing you to discovering what's in you. And I and I think that that's of a high value at times that sometimes we don't um, catch. It's not it's not as hard, you know. You know, Charles can be hard reading. He was you know stream of consciousness writer, and mm -hmm. he was writing about a lot of he was writing about his discoveries while he was doing it. Where a lot of the writings that she has that have remained have been her responses to people about direct mm -hmm. questions, and you can see the. The heart in it, and I think that when when you read so many of these wonderful women that you have uh, compiled, you read the heart that's in it. And I'm not saying that guys can't write with heart. So guys out there listening, I'm not saying that, but it clearly comes across. <laughs> you know, that, there is the divine feminine, and yeah. um, I had some early criticism from people uh, who were observing the work that I was doing suggesting to me that uh, how dare I write a book about women in New Thought as a man, uh, that this was work that could only be done by a woman. Well, pardon me, uh, but my work was to find the best that I could from the women who presented themselves. And they do write with a feeling nature that is much different than the intellect that we hear from people like Charles and, and uh even Ernest Holmes. Um, there is that uh, motherly 
and uh, emotional and feeling nature that comes through the writings of the women uh, much more clearly and and was a, a real source of joy to me as I discovered more and more of them. Yes, yes. I want to make sure that people know how they can actually, first of all, get your book and how can they get in contact with you if they want to uh, contact you. Well, they're more than welcome to email me, um, and that's fairly straightforward. That's revwillmercer at gmail.com. The book is available through Divorce Publishers as well as on Amazon.com, as are all three of my books. Uh, So anyone who's interested can find uh, the books by title uh, with, with Amazon, and then all you need to do for Divorce is to go to their website and uh, it's part of their online catalog. Yes, uh, Devo- I think it's divorce.com or something like that, D-E-V-O-R-S-S.com. We, That's we order a lot of books from divorce, a lot of books. Uh, well, and know, if you're uh, ordering from divorce as a church body, you get a substantial discount on the price of the book. So, Correct. Uh, whoever, correct. Anyone who's ordering organizationally, that would be the way to go. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, all right, so people know how to get in contact with you, and they they know about the book. Now, um, one of the things that that stood out to me when I started studying the history of New Thought was how the early New Thought movement really helped the feminist movement of the early – 20th century in the United States. Did, did you discover any, I mean, what they were writing about and what they were doing was not the norm for women in the late 19th century, early 20th century? Well, you're absolutely correct. Um, uh, and it's a remarkable uh, evolution that occurred really with early female writers that were not necessarily oriented toward religious topics. Uh, but then coming into the period of the American Civil War where women had to take uh, a much more important role in the, the social fabric of the country um, as men went off to war or as men were the victims of war, uh, they began to speak their truth in ways that had not previously been very public. Um, women received education sometimes uh, against the will of family members who felt that they didn't need to be bothered with all of those uh, matters that men would take care of. Uh, and that's true on, on, on both with the white population, uh, the people who were fighting in the armies on both sides, but also the African-American population, where uh, following what we would call emancipation, uh, they began to gather, and, and they frequently, if not exclusively, gathered in their churches uh, where they developed the, the strength to speak their word. And this kind of mirrored the whole process of women's suffrage, which began in New York State in 1849, but again, because of the Civil War, was probably put on the back burner for a period of time. And then as women uh, moved past the Civil War toward the early 1900s, they were more and more uh, clear about the need to recognize their equality with men. 
And so you find people like uh, uh, even Nona Brooks, who went to Wellesley College for a short period of time in 1891, uh, writing about uh, women's suffrage. And even though the women uh, received the vote in Australia much earlier, they didn't achieve the vote here in this country until after the end of World War One. So it took almost two to three generations for women to find their formal role in society, but through that entire period, they were informally having tremendous influence, not the least of which was Myrtle Fillmore, who came to her healing uh, before Charles did, and probably bears great responsibility for Charles taking up the banner of New Thought himself. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time that the only reason why Charles Fillmore is called a co-founder of Unity is because that was the era. Myrtle Fillmore mm-hmm. started Unity years before Charles even got involved. When yep. he saw her demonstration and the demonstration of all of the women that she was helping, who included people who were not even in her space that were writing her and things of that nature, he said, let me figure out what she's doing here because I'm in pain all the time. And and she's completely cured of tuberculosis. Yes, uh, you know, yes. and and then they create they officially created a movement, but unofficially, Unity was created by Myrtle Fillmore and her consciousness. Uh, you know, and I think that that's really important for people to recognize with that that you that like Mary Baker Eddy in Christian Science. You know, back then when things were looser and the Christian metaphysical movement was just, a, you know, different ideas that people were putting together and creating organizations from scratch. Uh, she was probably the first major um, a female American religious leader. I and think you're not right. talked about. It's just not talked mm-hmm. about. I mean, mm-hmm. she had a national movement. It wasn't local. It, that turned into an international movement. And well, and had it not been for her uh, difficult personality, yeah. <laughs> it might have not developed as rapidly as it did. But she had a tendency to jettison people if they didn't perfectly agree with her, and and thereby we have Emma Curtis Hopkins and the massive expansion of New Thought that she helped create. Uh, and she was indeed the person who ordained the two Fillmores. Uh, So uh, the women were absolutely key, and as you pointed out, uh, they certainly weren't alone. Men were involved, Warren Felt Evans, uh, Quimby, others that played early and important roles, even back to uh, Emerson and Thoreau uh, in undergirding what became New Thought. Uh, Nonetheless, the women, from the standpoint of literature, uh, provided much more power and much more substance uh, than their male counterpart and, and counterparts in terms of sheer numbers. Yes, and um, I would also add that they were speaking to a different need because when 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 you need to use these principles to get ahead because you've been because you're being oppressed by any system, you are actually meeting a direct need with it. You know, it started off as a healing movement and then a, a female empowerment movement. I mean, I, I take, for, exist, for example, Reverend Coleman. You know, she started it off as, you know, she had to get a healing. Early 1950s, she's in her early 30s. You have six months to live. She had to get it. 
started right. Christ Universal Temple at age 36. Mm-hmm. But she was speaking to the needs. It's 1956. You're in Chicago, the most segregated city in the United States of America, as far as where people, how people live and integrate with each other. Um, and she was speaking a need to the empowerment of a people who needed that particular message. If you know, lift your consciousness up, apply these spiritual principles, you know, to help transcend the Jim Crow America that they lived in. You know, so, you know, you know, and and I think that sometimes without looking at that context, people can't. Well, how could that church grow so rapidly? I, you know, when I listen to the stories from the people who are still around when uh, from the early days, see, it was explosive growth, not growth, Mm -hmm. explosive growth. She was speaking to the needs of the people. If you, if you, if you, if you are, uh, uh, you know, uh, black in Chicago in 1956, if you didn't have adequate money, you didn't have adequate health care. If you didn't have adequate health care, you had stresses. If you didn't have the, uh, you know, she was educate your mind spiritually, not just with education, but do that as well. These are the principles that can heal your body. This is how you develop prosperity. And she became known as a prosperity teacher and, you know, and even took the arrows for it in, in, in the Chicagoland era and nationally, but that's what the, her community needed. And I well, think those, go ahead, excuse me. And, and, and I think that that's true with um, so many of the um, African-American leaders in uh, new thought and, and in Christianity in general, uh, not to limit it to just those two categories. Uh, they also were pulling a people up that had been oppressed and uh, rejected by so many for so long and reinvigorating uh, the consciousness of both men and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Morgan, uh, who came after June Cobb, became a force, uh, a major force uh, in, in New Thought on the West Coast played a major role in continuing the growth of uh, new thought and um, male and female empowerment within the black community that has a heritage that reaches us today. Right, right. I think that I think the, the, the real benefit of ministry and what these women were doing in courage, conviction, and consciousness was speaking to the needs of the community, the followers, the the people that needed the message, you know, mm-hmm. because if you're reading her, um, you know, any of these leaders, the Nona Brooks, the Melinda Kramers, or somebody who people might not know about, you know, some the people who might not be as well known because they didn't have publications. So some of the UFBL people that you put in the book, you know, the uh, Reverend Christina Knox Walthalls, you know, the Reverend Una Barker in Guyana. You know, where I, you know, I recently saw some pictures of Reverend Coleman in Guyana. Actually, we have a picture in the church, and I didn't even realize it until that it was her because the picture was uh, so old that it was Reverend Coleman ordaining Una. And I didn't right. know it was her. <laughs> it's, walking, it's through the church. The streets, walking through the streets with her as they um, dedicated right. her first church building in Guyana. Right, uh, right. You know, right. Uh, Johnny was beside these people and supported them and promoted their work, and and they in turn produced 
absolutely phenomenal activity uh, in the places where these churches were planted. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So when I, I did want to talk a little bit about the primary thrust of new thought, which is spiritual healing. As you were working with this book, one of the things that that I did was I was as I was browsing through the book it was I could really feel the healing consciousness that produced these writings. And when you were working with that particular aspect, did it like light bulbs shine on you or really make you kind of drill down and, and realize just how strong the foundation of healing is in new thought? Well, absolutely, uh, and that's probably the conviction piece of the title of the book, uh, is uh, these women, uh, through their own experience, uh, knew how powerful the Spirit of the Lord was in working with them through whatever issues they had from a, a healing standpoint. Uh, we all know that New Thought began as a healing movement, but these women uh, really knew how to express it and to uh, help others come to it. There's one very interesting uh, experience that I had in reading Melinda Kramer's work, and that was um, she wrote a, a, in Harmony Magazine a full history of herself. It's called record of myself, and we continue to publish it. But I also had access to um, extemporaneous speeches that she gave in Washington, D.C. about 1904. And one of the things that she said was that um, her healing was initially a spiritual healing. Her body uh, healed over time. But what was immediately evident to people around her was that her whole attitude, her whole demeanor changed. And to use terms that we're familiar with today, uh, she essentially engaged in what we might call fake it until you make it because she could express to these other people who began to surround her what she had experienced on a spiritual level and as she was experiencing more of that and working it to a greater extent, then her physical healing followed. Uh, also true with Myrtle, also true with a number of others. Uh, but once the spiritual healing was firmly implanted, then the physical healing and the physical changes on all levels of life uh, changed as well. So it, it, it was a great uh, encouragement from my standpoint to recognize that healing is a matter of uh, continuing treatment. Uh, pray until you manifest. Uh, Nona Brooks had the experience of being in the dental chair at one point uh, with a parishioner uh, who examined her and said, well, Nona, you've got several cavities. I tell you what, we can make appointments for you to come back and we'll take care of those cavities for you. And Nona said, uh, thanks, but I'll treat. And six months later, she came back to the dental office and had another examination, and the dentist could no longer find the cavities. Uh, did that happen instantaneously? Probably not. Did that happen as a function of focused treatment and focused prayer over time? 
indeed it did. Yeah, that that's a powerful testimony right there. It um I I, I noticed that you had taken some um excerpts from uh, Open Your Mind and Be Healed by Reverend Coleman. And mm-hmm. the when I when that book came out, I was only at the church maybe, you know, three or four years, something like that. And I remember when I read the book, I was really excited and I came back and I was talking to the one of the uh, bookstore managers at the time and I was telling him, I was like, I really enjoyed this book. I really enjoyed this book. And I said, he said to me, well, what did you really enjoy about it? And I said, man, it was a story in the book about this little boy who had a, um, an accident where he burnt his leg really bad. It was about the size of a half a dollar. And it was whatever degree burn that's like really bad where they might have to, you know, have a conversation about amputating your leg. And mm-hmm. after the uh, the doctors, you know, told the parents what the possibilities were, they took the little boy to Reverend Coleman. And she laid, you know, you know, she talked, she put the parents out. First of all, like leave. She talked with mm-hmm. the little boy and, and talked to him about faith and believing that God is the health in your body. And every time you, you know, you, you look at it, I want you to know that, that God is healing it now and et cetera, et cetera. And then she prayed. She said, he's, the book says she put her hand over it, didn't touch it and prayed. And, uh, the boy had a complete healing. You know, did not have to have the medical procedure that could have potentially um, taken his leg. And and when I said that story, he looked at me and he said, that story is absolutely true because I was that little boy. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And I was like, wow. Yeah, that's powerful. Wow. You know, it's, you know, the the power of our message. You know. What's possible for what's in the human potential? It's just amazing, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I had goosebumps at that moment. It was like, oh my god, <laughs> you know. And, and then he started telling me the details of the story that she didn't write about. But he said that the story is absolutely true. It happened just like that. And you know, well, and there's it, there's also an simplicity about uh, the work. It, yeah. it, it 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 isn't easy necessarily, but it is simple. Yes. Uh, it is the removal of the intermediary between yourself and the God that resides within you, mm-hmm. and uh, and employing that spiritual power that we all have in ways that we have not experienced uh, the presence in our lives. So Johnny was treating Johnny. Yes. Uh, and in so doing, healed the boy. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, one of the quotes from her that came from uh, Philippe Matthews' uh, interview with her when she was talking about uh, it works if you work it, uh, she talked about the fact that she works on Johnny Coleman every day, that mm-hmm. that was the focus of her uh, spiritual investment because it was in working on Johnny Coleman every day that she was able to provide the gifts to others that came forth. Yes. Every morning she read the Daily Inspiration for Better Living, the Daily Word, Creative Thought, which is now out of print, and the Science of Mind magazine. Mm-hmm. And she said whatever struck her, she would take in the meditation. This was every day, no matter what. You know, you know, she would read all. And what I just mentioned at the time, 
because Creative Thought is no longer around, which was a beautiful, beautiful publication, was uh, the one and whatever else other writings. But those four th- periodicals, she read every day. She told me that. And she said, whatever I read that sh- strikes my soul, I take that into my meditation. And that's what she works with. So she was consistent about working on herself. That, that statement is absolutely true. She would come in to the bookstore and say, what should I be reading? Let me know what's new. Let me know, you know, because it was it was the push to 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 continue to evolve. And all of these ladies encouraged, you know, conviction and consciousness were people who maximized uh, the talent. And I'm not saying that everything that was in them, but to their level of understanding, they pushed through, they demonstrated, they helped people along the way. And I would say we don't know how many lives have been changed by these over 100 authors that are in your book. I don't even. I don't think. I don't think we will ever know. Countless. It's countless. countless. You know. Uh, and, um, and the the, the, the emphasis you put on on Johnny's work every day is is such an important key. Uh, you you can't do this once or twice a month, or go in on Sunday morning and get showered off, and then uh, behave in a different way through the week, and yeah. expect to have the kinds of results that these women were able to produce, uh, and that. Any uh, devoted uh, new thought uh, person can produce. It, it requires that kind of daily focus. Uh, it may be different each day. It, it may be at a different time. It may take a different period of time that's available, given all the worldly things that we're engaged in. But if, if you're not uh, making contact with that divinity within each and every day, then you don't have the familiarity and the, the power that spirit will provide to make these dramatic changes for yourself. And, and that was the chief lesson that each and every one of these women was teaching, much as, as Jesus said, uh, these works and, and greater works you will do, um, to paraphrase. The, the, the whole concept is if you are paying attention, if you are developing your relationship with spirit, then your power is unlimited to make positive change in your life. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, because we're wrapping up on the last minute and a half, I want to encourage everyone to get the book Courage, Conviction, and Consciousness because it's set up like a daily periodical. You can read one author a day, and uh, and it's even dated. January 9th is a particular person, et cetera, et cetera. And you can use it as a soul study over a course of a year. So you can get it and just start with the day that you're at. Whenever, you know, you get the book and just read it through a, a, the course of a year. And if you allow what these giants of new thought, these women who impacted countless lives presented, the spirit in you will, will connect with what the spirit in them presented. It will give you another opportunity to to discover the unlimited possibilities that are within you. So I highly recommend that you get the book. You start working with it. I'm going to start working with it as a daily reading, uh, Will, just letting you know, because I want to get into the consciousness. For me, I never want to forget the consciousness or the or the cloth that I'm cut from. And, you know, Johnny Coleman was a part of a lineage of thinkers. And now... I'm, I have 
that baton along with many other people in my organization, just like you have in divine science and our friends and religious science, et cetera, et cetera, in unity. We have to continue to remember that this is a message that literally transforms mind and body, transforms environment. But we have to be connected to what it's really all about. It's not about the platitudes mouthing it off. It's about the consciousness that can produce the results. So, Well, and within this book, you have uh, such a broad selection of voices that you will find the voice that speaks most clearly to you within the pages of this book. All right, so make sure you go to divorce.com or divorce and divorce and companies, the name of the company. If you need to Google it, you can go to amazon.com and order a book. And, and I would say let's create a groundswell so we can make sure that this book gets into all of the major new thought organizations because it, ne- it's, it's, it needs to happen. You know, we, we, we can't forget where we came from. We just can't. Uh, so, or, or we'll have to repeat the history and who wants to do that. So thank you, Dr. Will. We got to wrap it up now. So, uh, you know, lovingly, whoever has the next show after me can, uh, do what they need to do to get started. So thank you. God bless you and tell your lovely wife. I said, hello, and I'll be in touch. Very good. God bless you as well, Galen. Take care. Bye-bye. And we'll be back next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. of thousands of listeners like you have been transformed through the ministry of Paulette Pipe and her program, Touching the Stillness, one of the longest-running programs on Unity Online Radio. Paulette's latest album of guided meditations, Blissful Stillness, is a new and different experience. The mystical quality of her beautiful voice will reverberate through a Zen-style meditation, a mudra meditation, which are yoga hand positions to deepen your practice, and guided meditations, which we know and love. It features a new instrumental sound by Kelly Hunt with a bonus track by Kathy Zavada. Experience a blissful immersion into quiet and stillness by purchasing your own copy at Shop. Dot unityonline.org I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.